Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Janet Markoff, a partner in the New York office of Major Lindsay in Africa. Major Lindsay in Africa is the world's largest legal search firm. They successfully place general counsel, corporate counsel, partners, associates, and law firm management professionals. Janet, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said? I can't believe I've been in this business for over 25 years. I just feel so fortunate to be working with my colleagues, my extraordinary colleagues at Major Lindsay in Africa. And it's an honor for me to have colleagues and be able to work with the talented lawyers I do. And that is called a job. Fantastic. In your role at Major Lindsay in Africa, you need to attract lawyers and other professionals to choose your services in your firm. Which of your personal strengths and habits have really helped you to grow your business, retain those relationships with those sharp professionals? Yeah. In my role here, we do have to attract both law firm clients and lawyers, but I've basically developed relationships with leaders of firms and practice groups and individuals by working diligently through the process and telling the truth. Actually, we attract law firm clients by having good candidates. I represent the candidate and make a market for that person, even though the law firm pays the bill. It's really about creating and maintaining good relationships, valuing long-term relationships with firms and candidates over short-term dollars, and By having those strong relationships with law firm clients, we have access to decision makers, which enables us to be efficient and responsive throughout the search process. Just in terms of my personal strengths that's allowed me to be successful developing business, it's persistence, it's resilience and not taking things personally, that it's business, not personal, and really connecting with people on a human level by caring and being a good listener. I'm extremely responsive. I work really hard for my candidates by helping them draft business plans and following up on the execution of those plans, negotiating comp packages, prepping before interviews, sharing the type of information that helps them to make sound decisions, being basically a trusted advisor throughout the process. Many of my candidates have become personal friends of mine. I also so enjoy being around smart, interesting people. Fantastic. People say, well, I am responsive or I am diligent in my work, but it's those things that you do on a very frequent basis to make sure that people know you do care and that you're going to represent them well. What do you do from a strategic perspective? Do you sit down yearly and review the coming year, the goals that you're setting for yourself with your partners there at the firm? And if you do sit down on a yearly basis, do you go back and look at that strategy or look at that plan regularly? Basically, I have a business plan that we look at on a daily basis. We look at the things that need to be handled that day, that hour, and then we look at the pipeline. But in terms of business development growth strategy, one of the things that I have found very effective is 
having a work spouse. I outlined my tactics and reasoning in an article that was published in Fortune on July 28, 2015. The upshot of it is that my partner, Jeff Leapster, and I are able to complement each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we can divide up responsibilities with clients and candidates while understanding without resentment that some might relate better to one or the other of us. And our candidates and clients always have coverage. The most important factor for us is the emotional benefit we derive from having someone in your corner in a competitive industry while maintaining our standing as top fee earners in the company. Just statistically, people are much more productive in the workplace if one has a sense of emotional well-being. Part of my strategy is to have these sort of daily business plan execution discussions with my work spouse. Fantastic. Can you relay a story, possibly a success story around a client acquisition, a lawyer acquisition, or the execution of a business arrangement that you worked on that was successful, possibly with your with your work spouse? I want to share a story that happened very early in my career when I worked with uh, law firm associates. And I, I cold called a very stressed out associate at a large, high billable hour firm. And when he picked up the phone in a harried voice, I mistakenly launched in by asking if it was an okay time to talk before I actually introduced myself. He screamed at me for not having done that and hung up on me. I didn't take it personally. In fact, I thought he needed my help more than ever because he seemed to be having a nervous breakdown. So I called back right away and said, hi, I'm Janet Markoff of dot, dot, dot. And he couldn't believe I had the guts to call him back. And he started to laugh and I broke the ice. I placed him at a firm with a more reasonable lifestyle a few months later. So that's that's one little story. That shows your tenacity, that perseverance. I learn as much as I can about every law firm we work with. Sort of the vision, the finances, the culture, how compensation is handled, strategies for growth and how they reward their attorneys. And this really happens by talking to partners on the inside, by having semi-regular visits with a management team, regular calls to discuss market trends or just sort of getting together socially to understand what kind of people they are. It's, it's what any successful partner needs to do in order to continue to enhance his or her relationships. And then uh, just sort of outside the internal setting, it's, it's getting involved in organizations that will help your career. For example, I'm the national co-vice chair of YLIF, um, Women in Law Empowerment Forum. And this organization puts on regular programs. And I know, Nicole, you've attended several of them. And it gives women in law tools and strategies to become leaders and rainmakers in their organizations. And just our last three special events programs include Including, included Jamie McKeon, the female chair of Morgan Lewis and Bacchius. And before that, we had Michelle Roberts, a former Skadden partner and now the first female leader of a major sports union, the NBA. And before that, 
uh, Loretta Lynch, who just weeks after we spoke with her, was tapped by the president to become attorney general. And their stories and advice and just being in their presence inspired, it just inspires everybody in the room. Like Loretta Lynch suggested to up and coming attorneys, and you know, they, they, they always have pearls of wisdom. And she said, and I quote, Never start a conversation by downplaying your idea. No one listens after that. And then one partner talked about her firm having a budget for new associates to take partners out to lunch. I mean, that's a way to just get yourself out there and just being bold that way. I'm also very involved with my alumni association. I regularly host Tufts Women Lawyers events at my house. And and Jeff, uh, my work spouse, is very involved with the University of Michigan football team, and he volunteers his time to assist and mentor uh, current and former players. And people look at that stuff that you do on the outside, and they say that's cool. I I wanna I wanna be with that person. I wanna get to know that person. That person is interesting, right? Or may seem it. And you know, I was just at um, the Big Law Business Summit uh, yesterday. It was hosted by Bloomberg, and Brad Carp, who's the chair of Paul Weiss, said that. Many of his lawyers sit on charitable boards, and it's not only because they do so much pro bono work and they there are plenty of do-gooders in that firm, but it is great for business. So that's it's just a couple of things I wanted to share. Fantastic. That idea, too, of coming at this from different parts of your life. So it's not just your work experience, you know, sitting down and planning which attorneys you want to work with, looking at the internal resources you have, looking at the organizations you participate and work with that are specific to your industry, with your alumni organization, and I'm sure other things in your life, programs your family has participated in because of their interests and the people you meet through that and your engagement with them. There's a lot of ways to really be out in the market and absolutely agree with you. The more involved you are, the more people you'll meet that share that passion, but also could be potential clients or refer you to potential clients. That is right. And the key is gaining the tools to be able to ask for that business in a way that doesn't feel like it diminishes who you are and it, where it doesn't feel like you're just being a salesperson. It has to be ingrained into your authentic self. That's what they'll respond to. That's very interesting. I had a guest on Left Foot talk about when they were out at functions and this particular guest talked about, she has little children. She, she talked about meeting people when she was out with her children and that people People got to know her as a person. And then when she talked about her work, they translated what they knew about her as a quote unquote good person, good mom, a supportive spouse. They translated those qualities to the work that she did in her firm. I would suggest that that's likely what's occurring in a lot of these situations is they're getting to know you as a person that is translating over into would trust you as a representative of them through Major Lindsay in Africa. Exactly. Listen, the given is that you are going to be the best at what you do, you know, whether you're a partner in a law firm, 
firm, your in-house counsel, you, the given is that you have great legal skills. Um, but the business development part of it is just sort of incorporating your judgment in which you share certain values or the way you look at the world with your client. If you have that as a basis, um, then they'll, they will take your advice. And pay for it. Absolutely. Great lead in to this next question. I would imagine as you're out representing lawyers and they are looking for new opportunities, whether that's a lateral, an associate looking to become a partner in a different firm, how often are you asked how much business that attorney has brought in, whether you have to coach attorneys that are looking to make a transition who haven't had a lot of business development experience? How important is that do you find yourself coaching about having to grow some business or bring in some business before they should consider a move or a change? Absolutely. And I'll take you through it um, because this is especially for partners that are on the lateral market. Having a book of business is simply everything. (laughs) I mean, firms rarely hire service partners anymore unless there's a strong strategic need. They need people who have business development skills. And really, a book of business is one's ticket, not only to job security, but also to have a voice at the table. And so part of what we do at MLA, and and Jeff and I do this with most of our candidates, I mean, we do have them develop a business plan. We do it with them. And then we do follow up up with them to make sure that they've reached out or they've had that speaking engagement or they've gone to that conference and what they've done and what they've come up with. What do they have to show for it? You know, so we do regular checkups on them because because we're in the relationship build, you know, business, um, they tend to last for a long time. I mean, and sometimes the search process, we may even tell people, you know what? You're not ready yet. We're, we think after next year, after you land, you know, this Fortune 500 client, um, that you'll have more options once you'll have a louder voice, if you will, once you've done that. Do you end up giving them advice about how to grow their book, possibly a course to take or a book to read? Yes, we absolutely do do that. Law firms now have gotten with the program because they realize that they need to have, everybody needs to develop business because that's the, that's the name of the game is to grow revenues. And so they do have, you know, their own programs that they uh, put on. Yeah, I interviewed a woman from Hinkley Allen, and she was talking about they do a three to five year business plan with each partner. And part of that is they meet monthly. I want to say it was monthly with the partner and talk about expectations around that. But they actually use that as a recruiting tool because lawyers or partners that have been challenged with business development will look at that as a real plus if they can go to a firm that really has a formal program that will help them not only grow their book of business, but learn the skills to do so. Janet, how much has that changed in the last 25 years? Is there more focus on business development today versus in the past where there might have been, quote unquote, you know, that group of rainmakers and then the service partners? 
How much has that changed? And is it a more competitive world? Technology is now a big part of the delivery of legal advice and legal services. Is the industry seeing that impact? And is the focus on business development increased because of these changing market conditions? It's a different legal landscape than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It is hugely important when companies have acquired other companies and general counsels shifted, the loyalty to a particular firm sort of no longer counted so much. It was more about the lawyer and not the law firm. So all of these firms recognize that your go-to contact one day um, may not be there the next, especially if the company is acquired. So, you know, it, it did used to be that you, you know, walked into a law firm and you put your head down and uh, was you were a work machine and you'd eventually become a partner if that was sort of your path. But that's really changed now. There, there are just no, there are no guarantees about that. You need to have so much more. There needs to be, you know, clients are now just assessing the whole value proposition for paying these extraordinary rates and so forth. So, um, so it has really changed. Uh, as I've gone through and talked to different organizations, I've asked the question about innovation. I had an interesting response from a leader at Axiom. They're doing a program program, which he says, you know, I don't know if this is innovative, but it's really made a difference in our business. And it really plays off something you said earlier. Axiom has partnered with McKinsey. And what they do is they teach the lawyers and the legal service professionals that they have on staff. They give them business education, current, you know, high level MBA level business education so that they can take that knowledge of business and use it when they're working with their clients. And he says, you know, that might not be innovative, but it's pretty effective. What, in your opinion, Janet, is innovative in the legal space today, either on the business development side or in the delivery of either legal advice or legal services? It's being nimble and creative, if you can, with the the fee structures and the fee plans. To that point about business development and teaching, there's one firm that sends all new partners. There's more than one firm doing it, I've got to tell you, because I'm hearing it more and more. They send uh, new partners to a very sort of condensed MBA program. That is innovative because a lot of law firm leaders, they're not as business-minded as they should be. I think when you just look at a law firm partnership and just sort of the definition of that, they all want to have a say at the table and they all think their idea is the, the correct one. So it's hard to get anything done. It's hard to affect change when you have people holding on to their business solutions when they're not actually business people. So that's been a struggle with many of these large law firms, the innovations like these programs, the MBA programs, the coaching, and even teaching people how to speak, going to Toastmasters or whatever it is, taking an acting class. A lot of life is about acting. When I initially got into business development, I always felt like it really was like theater. You prepared, you role-played, you, you know, you went to rehearsal, which was that role 
role-playing aspect of it. And then you delivered your message, except it was very much live theater, right? Because you didn't know how the person was going to respond on the other side, but you could be prepared for how that person would respond on the other side. So that is fantastic and love the condensed MBA program. Many of our listeners are millennial, mobile, and global. What would be your advice to them as they're starting out on their journey as professionals, as lawyers, as professional services principals? What advice would you have for them as to where they should spend some time and focus? I deal with this all the time because I have two millennials and I understand that everybody is very attached to his and her devices. Basically, nothing can replace actual face time in business development. For example, one of the ways an associate starts building a book of business is basically by working with a successful partner who'll take that person to client meetings and allow her to actually uh, participate in those meetings. And then before a client meeting or a pitch, the, the associate can add value to the process by learning everything there is to know about that client and its industry and offer up creative strategies to the lead partners. And basically the way to do that is to walk down the hall and present your ideas directly. And as Loretta Lynch said, you know, do it with confidence and don't downplay it. And, um, but that also includes the right body language and exuding confidence and humility and smiling. And you just can't get that in an email or Skype. And those methods of communication are are good for, for the follow-up, but you really need to get out there and meeting clients at, at networking um, and trade events and, and taking on these speaking you know, engagements. It's all part of what millennials need to do to really succeed. It's interesting. I read somewhere that will there be a generation of people who when asked to go and meet with a client or to go to a conference, they'll feel that they don't have those skills because they've spent so much time communicating through devices. That constant reminder, all of these things are amazing for our life and our productivity, but we all need to look up and and smile and look in the eyes of the people across from us and, and have those conversations and build those relationships, practice building those relationships. Great advice. Janet, you, you have a lot of energy about what you do. Of course, I've had very strong success in your career. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do? It's just being around such interesting, smart, people and knowing that you make a true impact on their life. Granted, it's their profession, but that's that, that then trickles down to everything that they do, their families. And we always say to our, our candidate, your first and their most important client is your family or your extended family. You need to take care of them. And by doing that, you have to be successful in your profession. Great advice. Janet, very informative and enlightening to hear your thoughts on Left Foot. Any last points you'd like to make before we say goodbye? Yeah, I, I, I guess I just want to emphasize to your listeners that anything is is possible, that even if you do not feel like you have the right personality to generate business, 
there are now resources through programs, coaching, and all of that that can help you to develop that personality. And everybody should read The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell and understand the 10,000-hour rule to greatness. One may be born with some innate talents, but to become great at what you do, you need to devote the time and energy. And if people are passionate about that or trying to improve, they will through those hours of hard work. Janet, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Love Foot. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. 